Before I get started, I um, just wanted to uh, give all of you from distance here a big thank you and a big hug. My wife says hello. She's uh, preaching currently in our church in Panama. So we're doing international preaching today. Praise God. And <clears throat> my wife and I, and also ALM Panama, we wanted to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all your prayers, your support, all your love when we come here every so often to stick our heads in the door and say hi. All your support, your tithe, your offerings, everything that you do. Please understand, even though we're three and a half hours away by plane, the support that you give us is felt and is deeply appreciated. Every soul we win down there, you have the hand on the net also. Because you're helping us to do all the things we do down there. So again, uh, thank you so much, all of you, for your faithfulness. It's been over 20 years now, believe it or not. 20 years. Wow. And uh, we truly appreciate it. I want to thank you. And uh, we work hard for God. And we also work hard for you guys to make you proud, okay? Amen. Amen. All right. This scripture I don't have on my slideshow, so Dan, don't panic. Let's go to Luke chapter 17, verse 26. Uh, yeah, Luke 17, verse 26. And it says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. I think nowadays, with everything going on, a lot of people are beginning to, again, speak about, are we in the last days? Are we in the end times? Right? What's going to happen? You know, every time when things change so drastically in front of our eyes, people begin to ponder the, these revelations in the Bible. You know, and uh, I've, I've taught extensively on this in, in Panama the last couple of months. And we see certain things that we have not seen before. We have seen certain things that are being fulfilled that have not been fulfilled before. So all I can say is, I don't know the time of the day, nobody knows. But what we can say is, we better start getting ready. And while pondering and meditating and praying about the, the sermon for today, which I changed, like, I don't know how many times, Dan, I don't know. <laughs> um, God started dealing with me about a, a topic that I think has affected many of us. And we're looking, or since last week, we've been looking at the state, the condition of the church. We talked about how the information that we're bombarded with every day is impacting us in such a manner that we basically become more tolerant to many things, that we started changing how we treat each other, how we talk to each other, what we think about each other because of this and that position. And we came to the conclusion to see that, yes, even in the Bible we saw that the people of God sometimes give more strength, more power, more value to the word that comes from the world than to the word that comes from God. That was what we did on Sunday. Then on Wednesday, we spoke about, again, the condition of the church and how we have to get the fire back, the fire in the church. That was a long teaching that told us all the things that the fire does, but we also said that we, the fire can be put out. And then sometimes we're the ones ourselves who put out the fire in ourselves or in the church. And that the fire has to be restarted. We have to have a spark. We have to get... And while I was reading or uh, uh, studying all this, 
I stumbled about uh, upon a biblical truth that might help us understand why all this happening, why all, all of this is happening. It's not, and it's not to make excuses, it is just to clarify or to make us understand what really is happening with us at this point. Let's go to the next one. I don't know if I have the right one there. Two. Yeah, go to two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. There you go. And I was pondering all this and it came to my heart that maybe I should talk about hope. Where is our hope? What do we place our hope in nowadays? And to understand exactly what I'm what God's trying to teach us this morning, uh, we want to connect it to a biblical example about it. If we go to the next one, please. In 2 Kings 7, verse 1, we see, Then Elijah said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Here again we see revelation of God. God speaking directly to his people saying, this is going to happen tomorrow. Get ready. No matter what the circumstance situation is right now, what you feel, what you think, what's happening, tomorrow this will be available to you. This, is really, this will be happening tomorrow. A very specific word from the prophet Elijah. So what's going on here? What was happening in Israel at this time? that this would be considered good news. 2 Kings 6, 24. And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it, until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cap of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Wow. I guess now we're beginning to understand a little clearer what was happening there. Basically, the people of Israel there were shut in. They were besieged by the enemies of God to restrict their movements, to restrict their freedoms, to restrict commerce, to restrict everything that they before had at their disposal. We can see that here. And obviously, when we look at it, what they were eating, it's pretty interesting to see. Now, I usually don't have donkey's head on my, on my menu, but that's what they did. Dove's dung for five pieces of silver. My goodness. Living without hope is very difficult life and has harsh consequences for its people. I want you to think about that. Because I think we all, living today and passing through what happened the last year and a half, I think our hope symptoms was not where it's supposed to be. Many have lost hope during this time. But look at what happened here in Israel. We're going to continue with verse 26, the same book. As the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the winepress? And the king said unto her, What ails thee? And she answered, The woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she has hid her son. Wow. I was like, goodness gracious. Goodness gracious, what's going on there? And looking at at this scripture, looking at what God was trying to, to reveal to me, we can see something important here. And that is this, the following. The lack of hope in us 
in man causes a destructive and negative reaction in us. People that lose hope, that live without hope, are capable of doing many things. And they are also available to accept things that would have never accepted before. Just think about it. Talking about this, these, these two women. The first one was willing to kill her son, and I'm sorry to be so graphic, to kill her son and basically eat him. And the second woman said, well, now tomorrow we're going to kill my son, but now we're going to eat yours. She was willing to eat a human being. That's what hope, the lack of hope does in us. And it's very dangerous for the church to lose its hope. When the church loses its hope, we're in big trouble. We're in big trouble because then we start sacrificing all kinds of things that really are not biblical. We're starting to do things that we're not, we're not, we shouldn't do at all. But because we have no hope, we just do it. And unfortunately, in the recent times, I have seen that in the church. People have lost hope, complete hope because of everything that's going on. And people are doing things they shouldn't be doing. Before, they didn't do that. Before, that was not even in their minds to, to be doing things like this. But now, all of a sudden, you see it. You're like, what's going on? The Bible does not teach us anything about these two women. We don't know how they lived before, what they did. Most likely, they were great family people, farmers, I don't know. I don't know what they did. But we see a strong change, a radical change in circumstance. And the hunger was so strong that they began to sell donkeys for food and then even turned to human beings. In this example, we can see the power of hopelessness. We can see the power of hopelessness. And as a church, we have to be very careful not to fall into this condition. We cannot live without hope. Lack of, lack of hope causes us to do things that we know are not right. In other words, lack of hope can prompt us to leave behind and ignore biblical principles that we hold dearly from one point to the other. We just leave it behind but then there's another part. And the, the world is great at that. Once the people are without hope, then we are open to false hope. <coughs> then we are open to false hope. And anything that sounds somewhat positive, we just gobble it up. Ah, oh, man, look, all right, this is going to be good. We don't investigate, we don't pray, we don't fast, we don't look. Some good news. I need some good news at least. Give me something. And every little thing that sounds somewhat good, bah. and we live our lives based on false hope. And let me tell you, false hope usually comes from men, not from God. It comes from men. Because false hope will string you along. Will tell you, well, if you only do this, then when we get there, then everything's going to be fine. Then you get there. Well, okay, you did that, but now... You got to do the other. Oh, okay. And we get strung along having a false hope that something might change. Just reflect on what's going on in the world today. How much false hope is there floating around in the world today? And how many of us have looked for comfort in this false hope that man presents to us? It's crazy. I never thought I would preach a message like that. I never thought I would see things like that in the church, but it's happening right now. All over the world, it's happening right now. False hope is a very powerful uh, weapon. So we see the lack of hope or the presentation of a false hope 
are powerful tools to influence human behavior. And God shows us this in his word. In Ephesians 2.12, listen to this. That at a time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. We know and we have to understand that our hope that we have cannot be based, cannot come from the world. Cannot. The Bible says here, or shows us, that the people that live in the world live without true hope because they live without God. True hope comes from God. If anybody gives you hope about anything in the world, trust me, circumstances can change like that, and what they told you today might not be true tomorrow without fault on their own. So we cannot listen to the voices of the world thinking that, whoa, things are going to turn around. Things are going to get better. I asked myself, how many of us in the church last year have put trust in men to have hope? How many of us have been glued in front of the television just to get some glimpse of what might happen in the future? The Bible says in Psalms 118.8, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. See, we talked about this last Sunday. When there's times of hopelessness in our lives, we have to seek rescue in the word of God. We have to seek rescue in our relationship with God. We cannot trust or confide or have confidence in men. Because it always leads to the same thing. We will be disappointed when we get false hope and then something happens again. And, you know, it's a never-ending never ending thing. You know? The Bible says it's better to trust in God to have hope for your life, to have hope for your future. You must trust in God, have hope directed at God, not at the world. That's very important. Because if you put hope in man, not going to do much. Man changes his opinions, his plans, his vision, his actions all the time. And we all know that. But it gets deeper than that. Jeremiah 17.5 says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man that trusteth in men. And make his flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah takes it a little bit deeper here and reveals to us that if we trust in man, if we try to receive hope from man for our lives, we put our confidence, our hope in flesh, in human flesh, in the works of the flesh. And we think that the strength of men, the strength of this flesh can produce hope for us. Think about that. We think that man's intelligence, his carnal strength, can do things that produces hope for us while we live here on earth. But if you study history, what will you conclude? That the intelligence and strength of man, in reality, is the cause for all the problems we have in this world. Why are we going to put hope in that, if we know that? That's why God warns us. Isaiah 31.1 Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help, and stay on horses and trust in chariots because there are many in the horse, and, and, and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they look not unto holy, to the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. 
Look at that. God says, don't be looking for armies. Don't be looking for strengths than men because it's not going to work for you. What do you have to... Because we do that a lot of times. Instead of looking to God for help, for hope, for, for, for strength, we look at all kinds of worldly things, intelligence, counsel from men, uh, strengths of the flesh to resolve our problems, our situations. We think that's going to be the solution. And we don't even look unto the Holy One. We don't even look at God as a possible bringer of hope to us in that situation. And I've seen this more and more. In churches all over the world, we see it. People look less and less to God and more and more to worldly things for solutions in their lives. But the only true hope comes from God. Amen. There's nothing else we can look for. We can't find hope anywhere else. We have to look to God. So, a active and healthy hope obviously is important for us. And I know sometimes it's asking a lot for people to have hope when they're in such desperate situations. It's difficult. You know, in, in Panama we deal with a lot of uh, uh, teenagers. You know, we work in, in what the government calls red districts or uh, hot areas, you know, where there's gang activity, where there's extreme poverty. You know, Panama still has a 20-something percentage of extreme poverty in their population. It is stone throw from the church. You go on those, pastors that to me with a couple of times. Sometimes we have to go with police protection because you can't go in there, you know, by yourself. Even though we do sometimes, you know. I mean, God's with it. When God sends us, we're going to be okay, right? Amen. But we see what people do that don't have hope. We see what they do. And it's horrible. It's horrible what people do that feel that there's no hope for their future, there's no hope for their life. They will do anything to get one up on the next one. Anything. So where does our hope come from as a believer? Where does our hope, from? Where does our hope come from? First, our hope comes from the word of God. Oh, my screen just died, so <laughs> don't worry about it. If you're following along, then we're going to be okay. Romans 15, 4 says, Who whatsoever thing were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Look at this. We have to return to the point where for us as a church, the first resource of hope is the Bible. It's the Bible. But the Bible is an important, important tool to keep your hope, the hope in you alive. No matter what happens, I know sometimes it's difficult. I know sometimes it's hard. I know sometimes we go through things and we're just like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? We don't see any way out. We feel like, oh my goodness, this is going to be horrible. What am I going to do now? And sometimes we don't even think about looking at the word of God. Amen? Or am I the only one? We do that. But you know what? This is what God is teaching us. He says, these things were written down for you. Say after me, these things were written down for me. You have to make it personal. When God wrote the word of God, he had you in mind too. Because Jesus is the word, right? And he died for us, right? So everything that's written in the word, God wrote down for me. And he wrote it down for you. It's like a personal instruction love letter that God gave you. That you may look at and say, well, God gave that to me. He wrote it just for me. It's mine. And whatever happens, I'll just open this nice letter, this nice book. I mean, think about it. In the Bible, what do we have? What do we have? The Bible was written in a span of 2,500 years. How many know that? And there we have, we have historic books, right? We have books of law. We have books of, of poetry. Wow, we do. We have books of prophecy. I mean, there's a great, there's a great variety in these books and letters that God has written for us so that we might have hope. It says there's a reason these things were written down before time, so that you may learn, and through patience, in the scriptures, you will have hope. 
That's why God gave us his word. And we sometimes discard the word of God completely. Church, we have to go back to the word of God. We have to return to the word of God like never before. Start a reading plan. Start studying. Do something, you know. But get your face in the Bible. Turn off the TV. Stop been watching Netflix. Stop the internet. Stop these things. Open your book. Open the Bible. Open the book that God wrote for you. So that you can learn. And that you, in patience, you can have hope. Amen. It's not that difficult. God wants us to have hope. But there's more. In Acts 26, 6 and 7, we have also in the Bible God's promises. Listen to this. Here, Paul is defending himself, and he says, And now I stand, and I'm judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come, for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I'm accused of the the Jews. Not only did God write a letter, a book to you so that you may have hope, that you may learn. He also put in there a huge amount, I mean, tons of promises. What is the best medicine against hopelessness? Promises. But not promises from the word, no, promises from the word of God. Because when God promises you something, Trust me, it's going to happen. Yeah. Amen? So if, if, you, if, you, if you have hopelessness in your life, if you feel, if you feel desperate and depressed and, and, and full of anxiety and everything, like, what am I? get in the word of God and say, okay, this was written for me. This word was written for me. God wrote it for me, just for me, and I'm going to read it. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to love reading it. I'm going to study it, and I'm going to learn and then I'm going to realize that in there, not only God wrote it for me, that's he gave us promises. Wow. God gave promises to us, to me? Who am I that God gives me promises? Well, he's your daddy God. Amen. You're part of the family. Amen. You accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're part of, that's the, the promises for you. I mean, if you spend, if, I challenge you, Take a legal pad, start on page number one, and write down all the promises that God put in the Bible for you. It's going to be a long work. You're going to have a couple of legal pads full of promises. I I guarantee you that. Or highlight them in yellow or something. You know? Promises, promises. This is amazing. There's so much promise in the Word of God. You can't just be happy, or you're going to be happy when you read this. Your hopelessness is going to go out the window. You're going to, why am I going to, why am I even worried about this? There's promises in there for me, goodness gracious. God has me covered. Amen. This is about a, that's to jump up and, 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 and be glad because there's promises in there for us. You know that, church? Yes. When was the last time you read the promises that God had for you? When, when did you read those promises the last time? I don't hear any amens. What's going on, people? Huh? Wow, we're in trouble now, guys. Come on, let's read the promises that God has for us. That's going to give you hope. But then we, there's even more. There's Jesus. Colossians 1.27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Where's Christ? In us. Listen to this. We have the word. We have the promises. And we have Jesus. I think that's a pretty good deal. I think this is pretty good to have hope. No matter what happens. But you know what? I'm going to throw something in there from the other message I had. What happens with us sometimes is. We get things mixed up. We get things all all mixed up. One of the big problems for lack of hope in the church, not only is what's happening in the world, there's something else brewing. 
that's been infiltrating the church for many, many, many decades. And it's nothing new because Satan tried to put the same trick on, on, on Jesus too, but Jesus now shot him down with the word of God. What happened? I'm talking about materialism. Why do we get hopeless? Because we fear that the stuff that we have, we won't be able to keep anymore. Oh, and I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> I don't know. Why do we get all stressed out? Because we live in a consumption society. We live in a society where material things are very important. But we, don't, we, we fail to realize that materialism is a philosophy. It's an ideology. It goes against the word of God because it explains, when you study it, it explains clearly that it's based on a model where no God exists. In materialism, the thing that's most important is matter. There's no purpose. There's no plan. Everything is about the matter. And when we get into materialism, what happens? What do we do? Because materialism claims, listen to this, materialism claims what? It claims to be able to satisfy our deepest needs and desires. Materialism claims to satisfy our deepest needs and desires. And that's only the beginning. You know what, what else materialism claims? It, cla <clears throat> it claims to be able to give us status in life. Listen to this. It says it can satisfy our needs and desires and it can give us instant status. You can purchase with money a lifestyle and you get status. You buy the most expensive car you can find, you put on your $5,000 suit, your jewelry, you come into church, I'm blessed of God. Wow, look at this guy. Instant status. Amen? Amen. And there's something else materialism claims. It claims to be the measure of the success in our life. True or not? How do we measure success today? With the stuff you got. You ain't got much stuff? This guy ain't successful. He's driving a beat up car. He lives in like a torn on almost ugly looking house. He got, he's not successful. Oh, this one over there, he's got three mansions and a yacht and, and six cars and an airplane or whatever. Oh, he's successful. In whose eyes? When he stands before God, God's going to say, my good and faithful servant, you, log, you managed to have three houses and a yacht. God's going to say that? And that leads us to the next thing, which is consumerism. Oof. It's true. It's all connected to losing hope. Listen to what I'm telling you. It's all connected to losing hope. What is consumerism? We live in a consumption society. Right around. Everything is about consumption. Buy, buy, buy. Consume, 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 consume. Gobble it up. What is the cancer of consumption? Listen to me carefully. What is the cancer of consumption? I didn't want to say it. It changes the worth of a person from having instead of being. Your worth is of what you have, not who you are. And this cancer, there's books written about it. I read one book, it's called Affluenza. <laughs> it's from Influenza, but Affluenza. I like it, that was funny. And they said, it's in everywhere. It's in the rich and the poor, it's everywhere. Consumption, materialism, everywhere. Because people start comparing their worth as a person based on what they have and not on who they are in Christ Jesus. It breaks my heart to see that. But you see it everywhere. Going back to Panama and those bad neighborhoods where we work. People live in huts made from wood and tin roofs. 
But you go inside, they got a 50 inch on there on the wall. And they got a new cell phone. Everything else looks like garbage, but I'm like, what's going on here? Instant status. I got nothing, but I got my cell phone. I'm worth something. Look at me. I got the new one. You don't got that one. Yeah. I showed you. I'm embarrassed. This one is like three years old. (laughs) Because this one has three cameras. This one has one camera. (laughs) I'm going to keep this one now. (laughs) We We laugh about it, but it's true. You see it in the poor, you see it in the rich. And we see it in the church. And that's why people in the church reject their calling and everything that God has for them because they think they're worth nothing because they got nothing. I tell you, I'm sick of it. Get out of it now. Don't compare yourself what you have, what they have, what my car, my car. I'm like, what are you talking about? Your worth does not depend on what you have. God created you. God created you. God gave you life. Not the stuff, not the government. God gave you life. God gave you a calling. That's irrevocable. God gave you gifts and talents. That's what God did. Why are you so hung up about material stuff? And when the economy comes crashing down, everybody is without hope because they're all afraid they're going to lose their stuff because they can't pay for it. Am I talking to somebody? I'm not criticizing you guys. I'm just telling the way it is. That's the way it is. That's the state of the church. I'm all for prosperity. Here we, tweet, we teach true prosperity. Not that fake stuff. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. And don't repeat this to anybody, okay? It's just between us, okay? In a foreign co- I even won't name the country because I don't want to get embarrassed. I'm going to give you two examples on how bad it is in the church. Listen to this. I turned on the Christian channel. I watched a, a sermon in a big church in Spanish. I can say that, okay? And then at the end, they came for the offering. And the pastor says, hey, listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to show you how you, can go sh- how you can go shopping without money. I'm like, what? Huh? You can go shopping without money. I'm like, what is that? I never heard that before in a, in a sermon. Yeah. He says, just give your tithe and offering to God, and God will give you what you want. You want a house? Give money to God. You want a car? I'm like, what are you talking about? You go shopping without money? Then we went to another church. Went to another church. I sit in the sanctuary before the service. This guy comes up, dressed up nice, suit. He's like, oh, you're new here. I'm like, yeah, I'm new. I'm just, I'm just visiting. Okay, um, here. He gives me a pamphlet. I'm like, what is this? He says, our church is offering a credit card. I'm like, I'm like what? <laughs> and the credit card had the logo of the church on it. Oh, this is really good. You can... We can deduct your tithing right away automatically, and you can save, and you can... I'm like, I'm like, get the out of here, Satan. Leave me alone. I took the pamphlet. I saw it in my office in Panama. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, Jesus has to come in here and throw over the tables, man. Poof, you know? What the heck is going on with this guy, you know? I couldn't believe it. In this, before service, they were trying to sell credit cards with the logo of the church on the credit card. It's all materialism. It's all consumerism. It's a thing that is sweeping through the church like never before. And when the mechanism, the balance of this system is interrupted, oh, that's when the panic starts. <gasps> what are we going to do now? Oh my God, I can't. Amen? And that's when hopelessness sets in. Because we are so afraid 
that we might lose all the stuff that we have. Because instead of measuring our worth of who we are based on the word of God, instead of doing that, we measure it with the stuff that we have and what other, have, what other people have and compare it. And if we have less, oh, we don't feel so good. We don't feel so happy no more. Church, we gotta be we gotta get free of this. Amen. Church, we gotta get free of this. Amen? Amen. We have to get free of this. I'm not against having nice stuff. I like nice stuff. When I see something I like, I buy it. But you know why I can do that? Because my wife and I have been debt free for over 24 years. I don't owe nobody nothing. nothing. Amen. Amen. So I save my money. When I come to Florida, I see something I like, I buy it. I don't care what it costs. If I have the money, I buy it. If I don't have the money, I don't buy it. It's not in my budget, sorry. Because that stuff don't define me. Oh, I threw off the water. Thanks, Jeff. I was getting excited. Even the water fell down, man. Don't take it away from me. What if I get thirsty? I like to pick on Gilbert. You know what I'm saying? If, if I can't buy it, I can't buy it. You know? I got too much stuff already anyways. Let me, let me, ask, let me ask the ladies here. I'm not picking on the ladies. Let me ask the ladies. How many ladies here have something in their closet still with the tag on that they've never used? Huh? Uh, oh, yeah, the husband's le- uh, left. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Now I'm going to go after the guys. Guys, listen to me. Who bought the, himself a new technological toy that they really don't need? Huh? Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. yeah the, I got to have this gadget. I got to get those headsets. And those are pretty cool. You know, I'm like, But you know what? We fall into this trap of materialism and consumerism. Why do we fall into this trap? Because it's actually a vicious cycle. Do you know that? Let me, let me give you an example here. Okay. Let me say, let's say, uh, I'm, I'm going to switch back to hope in a second. Okay. This is kind of fun. Let's say I want to buy myself a new cell phone. And, you know, there's a large variety. You can get, like, the really cheap ones for, like, 100 And you can get up to 1200 bucks now for a phone. Like, this is crazy. 1200 bucks for a phone. And so you make the effort. You purchase the cell phone of your dreams. You got it in your hands. You're like, okay, now I got it. What now? Well, well the first thing, uh, because, see, this is how consumerism works. One purchase leads to many others. Because the cell phone, oh, you, you got to buy a protector, man. The sales guy, hey, what protector do you want? I'm like, well, why don't you make a cell phone that comes with a protector that, that doesn't, uh, we can sh- send rockets to the moon and to, the, to space, but we can't have a phone that doesn't break when it touches the floor, like, ding, oh, it's cracked. <laughs> right? Oh, you got to buy a protector. You got to buy the good one. So a protector is like 50 bucks now. I'm like, what? This is a piece of plastic that costs like five cents to make in China. You're going to say to me, for 49 bucks, yeah, but well, those are the best. You can drop it. Oh, nothing happened. Cool. They tested this. A car can drive over it, and nothing happens. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to buy that one then. All right. But now, I, 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 you have to make your life more comfortable. You know what really gets on my nerves about cell phones? When you charge it, you have to put the cable in here. I don't like that. I want a wireless charger. I just go home and lay it on there. Cool, look how easy my life is. It's so easy now. I don't, have to, I don't have to put the cable in there anymore. I just go like this. And I can charge my watch at the same time. This is cool, man. I got to get one of those. Oh, 50, $79.95. All right, give it to me. And then, well, you know, and, and you know that this phone is good, but it does not come with a really good headset. You got to have Bluetooth you're, okay, uh, how much are those? 200 bucks. Okay, give them to me too. And then you go home, you're like, okay, what do I do now? I, I, I forgot something. I can't even use it. Now I got to have somebody and pay them monthly so I can use this stupid thing. We laugh about it, but you know what? Look at all the stuff you have in your house that you purchase one time that still costs you money every month so that you may use them. Who buys a TV without having cable TV? 
It's nice to look at, but if you don't connect it to anything, what's the TV for? So you got to pay somebody else. I don't know how much. And this is expensive lately. I'm like, I asked my in-laws how much they, the tomatoes told me how much they're paying. I'm like, you're paying how much? Are you crazy? They're like, yeah, that's how much it is in our neighborhood. I'm like, goodness gracious. Whew. You know, so everything leads to something else. And we just keep spending money every month for the stuff we already purchased. And the money just goes out. We consumption, 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 consumption. And if something breaks that cycle, oh, we're just going to, you know. There's a law of economics that says if you spend your resources on one thing, you can't use them on another thing. So all the stuff that you've been buying all over the years and you are using all the time, that takes time away from time with God. How much stuff do you have that mankind lived for thousands of years without, just fine, but we have them now because we can't live without them anymore. We have these things, and we use them, we repair them, we take care of them, we clean them, we, all these things, you know, and then it takes all this time, and when it comes, time, comes for time, to, time for God, eh, I'm, I'm, I'm worn out, man. I had so much stuff to do today, I can't do it no more. I'm, I'm worn out. I'm like, that's materialism, that's consumerism. And that's why we lose hope. Something gets this thing out of line, we lose hope. Amen. Amen. You still with me? Yes. Can I go on a little bit longer or are we done? Keep going, okay. All right. All right, let's keep going. I don't know how I got off on this. Let's go back to hope. But it's a good explanation. It's a good, you know, good to, to think about these things. So ask yourself, what gives hope to you? What gives hope, what gives hope to your life? Because the church is charged with a great commission that we are supposed to bring hope to the world. We are, we are the ones who are supposed to bring hope to the world. But if the church itself loses hope, what message are we bringing to the world? What are we going to bring to the world if we don't have any hope anymore? Amen? The church is God's instrument here on earth of hope. People are supposed to be able to come here and receive hope Amen. from God. That's what we're supposed to do. Let's go to the next one. Oh, you're, wow, you're ahead of the game. Dan, you're so good, man. I'm going to take you to Panama. No. no. <laughs> and not only they, Romans 8.23, but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For the man sees, who does he yet hope for? There's a hope that we hold on to that is not seen. Amen? And that makes it complicated for people sometimes. You know, it makes it complicated for them sometimes, you know. But I want to give you today, God wants to give you today, three reasons of undestructible hope for your life. Are you ready for that? Amen. You ready to, are, you ready for, are you really ready for that? Amen? Amen. Amen. Are you still there? Amen. You're still awake? <laughs> Amen. God, God bless you, brother. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to, as this one, don't, don't go too fast, man. I'm trying, but, you know, I'm trying to keep up with Dan. But Dan is like, go on, go on, I want to eat. Pastor, hurry up. He, he puts the next slide. I'm like going after him. First Thessalonians 4, 13. Listen to this very clearly here. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this, is, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, 
that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. This scripture here gives us three, three points, three promises, three biblical principles of unshakable hope. And if we as believers are able to take these into our hearts and live with them, trust me, you will never again have a problem with hopelessness. Because your hope is not based on the world. It's not based on things. It's not based on places. not based on persons. No, it's based on what God has promised us he will do when he returns. Amen. Amen. First, our hope is in, is in the resurrection. How many say amen? amen? The Bible says here that first, those that are asleep, what does that mean? Those that died. Their physical body died, but their spirit still lives on. And when Jesus returns, those are the ones, the dead in Christ, will arise first. Think about that. I mean, for me, that's just amazing. Can you imagine the, 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 the amount of people that will arise when Jesus returns? Wow. I mean, that's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. How many want to see that? I want to see that. I want, who, who wants to take part in that? I want to take part in that. You know? So we, our hope is in that resurrection. Why do we know it's truth? Because Jesus was the first. He rose from the dead first. So if Jesus rose from the dead, we know that his word is truth also, and that when the Bible teaches us that when he returns, the dead in Christ shall rise, it will happen. Undeniable, it will happen. Next, our hope is in the rapture. I don't know if you heard me. Our hope is in the rapture, church. Amen. Not in stuff, not in promises from now. Our hope is in the rapture. When Jesus comes, it will be a sudden event. Like that. One moment, we will be living life normally, and the next moment, think, we'll be up in the air with him. Just like that. That's what our hope is in. Tell me, can anything in the world change that? Can anybody in the world change that? Can anything that you have or don't have change that? No. God's in control. Our hope is in the rapture. And it will be interesting because I think we will see people go with Jesus that we never thought they would go. And we will see people stay behind that we never thought they would stay behind. Because at the end of the day, it's not your call. It doesn't, doesn't matter what you think. God decides who goes and who doesn't. So don't spend your time looking at others. No, look at yourself and get yourself ready for the rapture because Jesus is coming back. Amen? There's one more hope. Next one. Our hope is in eternal joy. You know what? doesn't seem to be much rejoicing in the world lately. It's pretty sad. Everyone has their problems, their little attitudes, their things going on. But when Jesus comes back, and we come back with him, man, you're going to see a whole bunch of people that you missed for a long time. There's going to be no pain. There's going to be no sickness, no disease. There's going to be no hopelessness. 
There's going to be no lie, no decay, no. It's going to go up there, and you're going to be with Jesus. And you're going to see him again. You're going to hug on him and give him a kiss. I've been telling Jesus for decades now. When I go up there, I want a hug from Jesus. Amen. That's what I said. I don't know if it's possible. I want a, I want a hug from Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's got to be so awesome, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There are multitudes that have gone to heaven before us. And now we miss them now. We can't see them anymore. We can't hug on them. We can't talk to them or be with them. But the day is coming when we will be together. We will be together with them again. Just as simple as that. Just as simple as that. So, to summarize this, I can have hope in the resurrection. I can have hope in the rapture. And I can have hope in this eternal joy that awaits me in the eternal life. Let me close with this real quick. I don't know if uh, our brother Dan, Dan the man, can find it. Go to the end of the other one. And there is, at the end, something I want to give you. That is really good. It says time, talents, all that stuff. Instead of living with hopelessness and accumulating treasures here on earth, if you want to have hope in your life, listen to this. God has given us, but under his manifold grace, certain things that are important for us to do. First of all, God has given us a, a specific time here on earth. Everybody's life here has a certain time. Some are longer on earth, some are shorter on earth. But trust me, in comparison, in comparison to eternity, it's just a tiny little amount. But this time is used here for us to do what? To store up earthly treasures. To store up heavenly treasures, exactly. See, you're almost paying attention. Not earthly treasures, no, heavenly treasures. Amen. Think about that. God has given you an opportunity here to do something that later will also await you and benefit you in eternal life. So don't go crazy on trying to accumulate stuff here so much. Live your life, do your thing. You know, do what you got to do. But focus not on earthly things, focus on heavenly things. He's giving us a certain amount of time. Then he's giving us talents. How many here have talents? Like four. How many here have talents that God gave him? Like ten. How many here have talents that God gave him? Everybody, right? They were given to you by the Holy Spirit. Why did God give them to you? So that in the time that you live here, you can use them for the glory of God. That's what they're for. Then God also gives you certain treasures. And that's governed by his law of sowing and reaping, as we learned here in ALM. It's also governed by your administration. Be faithful in the little things, and you will give me even more. Amen. That was all established here on earth for our treasures. Then he's giving you a body which is your temple, where the Holy Spirit lives within you. And he's giving you the truth, which is the gospel. Now, our stewardship and how well we use these assets that God has given us for free will determine your life here on earth, but will also determine if you go, and once you go, you know what I'm saying? So, if we talk about hopelessness, if we talk about things that worry us, 
You can worry about stuff in the world every day. Something is happening somewhere every day. You can worry about this and the other. I'm not even going to mention it, you know, because I don't want to get you upset, you know. Just, you know what I'm talking about. There's just so much stuff to worry about right now, you know. Don't do it. Don't drive yourself crazy. Don't lose hope. Focus on what God has given you, what you have received from God. And I know you will not live with hopelessness anymore. 